and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out my website at vetteamtraining.com, where you can find blogs, vlogs, and podcasts. This wasn't quite the podcast that I was actually going to put out today. In fact, I had another one completely scheduled. But after my blog titled, This is the New Normal, So Stop Making Excuses, reached over a thousand views In under 48 hours, I thought I really do need to dive more into this is the new normal, so stop making excuses. A blog is great because in a very short read, you get a high level view of information, but it doesn't really get into the meat and bones of really what the author is thinking. The author in that blog is just merely trying to present a concept with maybe a couple of key helpful facts, but it's hardly going to be the key to life or the key to solving whatever problem they're trying to solve in that blog. Popularity of this blog actually took me by surprise, and I guess in hindsight, I shouldn't have been so surprised by it, but hitting a thousand views in under 48 hours is a record for me. I I know it's not the most popular thing out there. There's way better blog writers and they have way more interesting things to to write about. But for me personally, this is a record. And I I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by the popularity. It was it's actually kind of funny. Some of the comments because on the blog itself, the image that pops up is of a mask wearing person. You only see like their nose and their mask. And on the front of the mask, it says new normal. A lot of people honestly didn't read the blog. It says this is the new normal. Stop making excuses. And they thought I was talking about COVID. So I got everything from two thumbs down to people need to stop getting upset over wearing face masks and start getting vaccinated. And I was like, whoa, we're not going down that route. I'm merely trying to promote a healthy workplace environment. And the image that I selected for this blog was meant to hit a core, but not in that way. It actually has nothing to do with vaccinations or masks wearing at all. But certainly when it gets shared countless times, some individuals are just going to go ahead, read the title, look at the picture and immediately think I have a political view on mask wearing vaccines or who knows what. So some of the comments just made me laugh and I just had to write, did you even read it? Because that's not at all the intention behind this. So I had a few good laughs and I certainly did not mean for that image to actually cause anybody to think anything other than it being a veterinary hospital related article. Clearly I was not thinking, but it was eye catching. And obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic and that's all I was saying was that this normal for this pandemic, it's going to be here for a while. That's all I meant by that image. So had a little bit of few laughs on that for people who just went right to some sort of political, you know, (laughs) vaccine related comments. All right, so let's talk about why I think this blog was so popular. At the time, I was really passionate writing about it. I had seen ton of posts online, people leaving the profession, people feeling undervalued, people feeling burned out. And I I have never seen the profession, I've said this in a couple of podcasts, I have never seen the profession in this level of burnout, in this level of distress as I have in the 2020 to 2021, and I hate to say it, we're going into 2022. 
This is a crisis of mass proportion. And I cannot scream it enough to every hospital owner, leader, manager, director, regional, CEO, COO, anybody in a leadership role, your teams are literally hemorrhaging. They're hemorrhaging their souls out on the floor. They're hemorrhaging themselves out of who they are as a human being. They're literally hemorrhaging and we need to stop the bleeding. How do we do that? And so I don't pretend to have all the answers to that, but that was really the passion behind writing this blog was that it breaks my heart. And yes, this blog obviously for me was one of the most popular that I released. Um, But it was the messages, the singular messages that people reached out to me and told me their personal stories about how they are thinking of or they are actually leaving the profession or they have actually left the profession. The amount of private messages that came through to me talking about their own struggles and how this blog really hit the nail on the head for them, that there's just things that their employer could have done to keep them not only at the hospital but in the profession and that they were ignored time and time again and they felt like they had no recourse but to actually leave the entire profession profession and or their hospital. And it broke my heart. I mean, it wasn't just a couple messages. I was blown away about the amount of people who reached out to me and showed their vulnerability after reading my blog. It made me quite sad, but it also made me quite angry. I've never been one to sit in sadness for too long. And um, I, I have turned that sadness into what can we try to do to change or improve an outcome so I don't feel this way anymore. I hate feeling the way that I am right now in veterinary medicine. I try to focus on the work that I'm doing in the company that I'm currently part of, which is the Veterinary Emergency Group. Absolutely love my team. Feel like we're doing some amazing work. And on a scale of just that particular organization, yes, we, I do feel like we're making a difference for those hospitals hospital teams. But then as a veterinary professional, how can I impact the veterinary teams in the whole world? And when you look at it from that image, it's overwhelming. I don't think that I, Amy Newfield, have the answers for absolutely everybody across the entire, you know, global <laughs> global sphere that we live on, but I do think that we can all start to look at internally, what can we do within our own hospitals? What can we do for ourselves in order to fix this crisis? Because it is a crisis in veterinary medicine. And so in if you have not read the blog, I'll catch you up to speed. Basically, I pose the question, how can we practice the best medicine with the resources we have? I go on to state that the biggest resource we need to focus on right now are the people within our hospital, and the fact is there's simply not enough of them. I also make a direct correlation that if you run out, ran out of oxygen, would you try to perform surgery on a patient? The answer is no. If you ran out of a rabies vaccine, would you just substitute it with something out? A- answer no. And Obviously, if your dental trophy machine work, would you try to continue to admit patients even though you had no way of actually scaling the teeth? Answer no. And so we do have to look internally, especially if you're a hospital leadership position at all, you have to look in and ask yourself, why are we trying to fit in more appointments to fill our surgery schedules? Why are we trying to do more than we've ever done? And we don't have the people resources to be successful in our hospitals. And I hear all the time, you know, hospitals trying to squeeze appointments in, trying to get these clients. We're booking booking a month or two out. 
Everybody is short-staffed. When you go into a restaurant, if you have that wonderful luxury of eating indoors, then you are well aware of the staffing shortages. In many actual restaurants, there's signs that says, please be patient or add a staffing shortage. You just sort of know everything's going to take a little bit longer. And some people are very patient and kind about that. You go in just knowing, okay, what used to be maybe an hour-long meal, it's going to be an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45. I've resolved myself to the fact that we might not get the best service, but I'm excited to eat out and I'm appreciative of the team that's there. If you live in New England, um, then you might have experienced the casualty known as the Dunkin' Donuts staffing shortage. Okay, if you guys are not aware, Dunkin' Donuts started in Massachusetts and actually Massachusetts has the largest per capita Dunkin' Donuts uh, restaurant population of any state in this entire country. There's, I always joke that Unless you live within five miles of a Dunkin' Donuts, you are not in a proper Massachusetts, New England home. A proper home in the state of Massachusetts means that you are within at least five miles of at least one Dunkin' Donuts. If you're not, you need to move because that's a crisis. We live and breathe Dunkin' Donuts, not only in the state of Massachusetts, but largely throughout New England. Now, I know some of you are like, that's crazy. Starbucks is better. We're not going to get into that political rant there. I, I get it. It's a hot button topic. Who's better? I don't know. I don't drink coffee. Isn't that crazy? I, I am this high energy without coffee. Nobody wants to see me caffeinated on coffee. So here's the reality of what's happening with Dunkin' Donuts. Every single one of my Dunkin' Donuts, upon which there are three within my own house here in the state of Massachusetts, they all have started to close by 5 p.m. Don't get me wrong. I've pulled up to the Dunkins at 6 or 7 o'clock forgetting their new hours and being just slightly peeved that, oh, they close at 5 p.m. But they have had to do what they've had to do because of the staffing shortage. Restaurants, sometimes they used to open up at 11 o'clock. Now they're not opening up until 2 or 3 or only having evening hours. So we as an industry, we as individual hospitals need to start looking at the reality, which is one of the resources that we are greatly lacking right now are our people resources. And they're the most important resource. It doesn't matter if you have all the shiny equipment or the fancy you know, blood machines or the fanciest building and all the coolest technology. That's great. But if you don't have people to actually run any of that stuff, then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You can build out the most shiniest brand new veterinary hospital. But unless you have good people in there, it doesn't mean deadly squat. It really doesn't. Our people resources is our number one resources. And we have to start looking at what's happening in this profession. And we have to start seriously determining what can we do? How can we practice the best medicine with the resources that we have? So I'm going to make a statement that is going to hurt the sole core of every veterinary professional. And I wrote this in the blog. We cannot be everything to everyone. Let me repeat that. We cannot be everything to everyone. This is important we understand this, but how do we accept it? So yeah, I get it. I can't be everything to everyone, but I'm sure as hell going to try. That's not really the right answer that I was looking for. How can we get into our soul this concept, but also accept it so that we come to terms and peace with it? It's not easy. 
For most of us in the veterinary profession, we went into this profession because we're empathetic individuals who are caregivers. We want to give of ourselves and save all the animals and help all of the owners. And we want to keep that owner and that pet bond together for as long as possible. We want to alleviate any pain and suffering of any animal that we see. And that's our oath that we took when we went into this profession. And even our client service representatives, our true heroes, those veterinary receptionists, they came into our hospital because they are also empathetic individuals. They love and care deeply for animals on a, on a level that most people do not. And so when you say to someone, you cannot be everything to everyone, it hurts the very soul of who we are as veterinary professionals. The reality is, is that we're trying to be perfect. We're trying to do it all. But right now we have to take an internal look. We have to have the emotional intelligence to say, you know what? I can't do it all. And we have to start prioritizing what's really important. I talked in another podcast and have mentioned it a couple times that there's a little liar inside your head. We have a couple of them, but one of the worst offenders that lives inside every single one of us is a little liar by the name of guilt. Guilt is actually such a bad liar that it makes us believe that we're less than, that we're not as good as, that we're terrible at. Whatever it is, it's telling you lies and it makes you feel bad. When guilt starts to rise up, when you your hospital team says, we cannot fit another appointment in, we have to say no. And you feel that guilt like, but we might lose that client. We might, that pet might, you know, have to go someplace else or What happens if no one can take that pet? Does that pet going to get sicker? When those things start piling up inside of your soul, inside of your brain, that's the guilt and it's lying to you. I want you to stop and I want you to tell yourself what you would tell your best friend. Tell them, tell yourself that exact same thing because here's what your best friend would say to you. You cannot be everything to everyone. You have already done enough. Your team is exhausted. You are exhausted. You're at max capacity. You have to say no because you need to take care of yourself better. That's the truth. That's the actual truth that lives inside our head, but it gets clouded because this liar starts screaming, this liar known as guilt. And so for all of us internally, when we're starting to wrestle with this decision of maybe closing our hospitals or saying no to a pet owner or saying no to coming in on a shift, we have to recognize, am I lying to myself? Is there a little liar inside my head called guilt? And how do I shut that down? So I think internally how we shut this down is a little bit different for all of us. Again, I am not a psychologist. I don't have all the answers. I'm just merely throwing ideas and suggestions out there. And if they work for you, great. But if you have some of your own, awesome. The first thing we need to do is recognize I'm burned out. I'm angry. I'm thinking about leaving this profession. I'm thinking about quitting. I cannot do this anymore. That's important to recognize. And here's the thing. Veterinary medicine is still an amazing career. It really is. For all of those who are listening, who are burned out at max capacity, I know what you're thinking. No, it's not. It's soul sucking. You don't get paid enough and you don't get appreciated. But that's, yes, that is some things we do need to fix. I'll dive into salary and stuff like that in other podcasts. And in fact, I have. But for this particular purpose of this podcast, I want you to recognize that all the reasons you went into this profession, they're still there. 
all the amazing medicine, it's still there. The joy you get of saving an animal's life, it's still there. The joy that you get from saving an animal who's been sick and getting it back to its owner and the smile on that owner's face, that is still there. The joy of having a dog or a cat look at you in pain and you alleviating that pain and you saying, oh my gosh, that animal's now relaxed or comfortable or, you know, it was limping around the house and I gave it a medication and it made it feel better. All of that is still there. We do some really cool work in veterinary medicine. What we get to do is awesome. And it doesn't matter what sector of veterinary medicine you work in, small animal, large animal, zoo, exotic, research. It's really cool shit we get to do. That's still there. So I want you to remember that why you went into this profession, that that's still very much there. Please don't forget that because in the midst of our burnout and our exhaustion and all of this right now, it's easy to forget why we ever entered this profession. But now what I want you to do, once you recognize that you're in this horrible state mindset and that you really are angry about this profession and that you want to get to, back to that happy place, I want you to start setting boundaries and defining your priority. Your pro My priority is different than your priority. You know, for example... Some of you are parents. Your priority is your children. This is really important for you. And some of the anger and bitterness and, and you know disgust that you currently have around your job is because it is taking away time from your family. If that's your priority, you need to announce your priority. Only you get to set your boundaries. Only you get to tell people what's important to you. If that's a priority, if that's a boundary for you, you need to make sure that it gets honored. And that can be really hard. Again, the reason is, is because we have to accept the fact that in order to enjoy family time, in order to enjoy times with my kids and have that moment, and that's a priority, and we admit that's a priority, then I have to admit to the fact that I cannot be everything to everyone. I will disappoint some individuals in my career. Are we okay with that? Very quickly, the answer is always going to be no. The answer is going to be, but Amy, I want to be everything to everyone. And I also want to be everything to my family. But you can't. That's not how it works. Nobody can be everything to everyone. So if your priority is your family, if that is a boundary that runs deep within you, then go do that because that's going to make you a lot happier. And the reason why you're struggling in this profession is because your boundary and your priority of your family is falling apart. It's not there. It's not maintained. And so you're every day you're angry and upset because that's very important to you. But in the end, you can't meet that. And so when we look at sort of that tipping scale, we have to make those decisions. We don't get to walk the line in the middle and be perfect for everybody. That's just not going to be a thing. So we have to start figuring out what's important to us in order to actually be better at our own profession. I tried to do a little bit of more research about this concept of you can't be everything to everyone. What other tools and tips and tricks could I give to you as the listener to help you on this journey of accepting that you can't be everything to everyone? And to be honest, I didn't find anything that really resonated with me. It was just simplistic things like stop feeling guilty, just say no, accept that you can't be everything to everyone, realize your awesomeness, do what you can, and do it great. Like these are not helpful things to people who are data analytical or medical minded uh, because we want concrete solutions to actually come up with how do I help myself? 
And in the midst of all of this, I found a couple other really great techniques besides obviously a little bit of self-talk. One person suggested developing a self-mantra. And when you cannot be everything to everyone, say something to yourself that you know you're still great. You can literally say something like, I cannot be everything to everyone, but I am pretty amazing at who I am, right? So this is a self-mantra talk to give yourself permission to relax, that you're still awesome, you're still great. How do you lift yourself up when you recognize that you're torn between this or that? And it's hard. There really isn't a lot out there. It's just do it. And I don't think just do it, just stop being everything to everyone is an answer. The last suggestion I have for you that I found that could potentially be helpful is write down your feelings. Write down why you are torn between this or that. And hopefully that will show you that the thing that you're choosing over whatever you're saying no to is of more importance, is of a stronger boundary, is the actual thing that you need to do because that's what's going to make you feel more complete. Again, don't have all the answers, but certainly tried my best to at least have you start thinking and recognizing and hopefully accepting, because that's the hard part. We can't be everything to everyone. Okay, so in this concept of this is the new normal, so stop making excuses, I put a little bit of onus on the individuals just to do a little bit of self-discovery and recognize I need to set my own boundaries. I need to set my priorities. I as a person need to say no. And how do we get over that? We've kind of already covered some concepts of hopefully how to heal from the guilt that we're going to feel. Accepting the fact that we're going to feel guilt at the minute we say no to anything is important, but moving past that is even more important. But here's the second part of this blog. We need to have our hospital leaders start taking care of the people. We need to shift the mindset from making all the money. Yes, I said it. I went there because that unfortunately is a lot of the mindset. We're making a ton of money in veterinary medicine right now. This is a great time to be in the business. There are very few hospitals that aren't making a lot of money. There are record setting sales happening in every single industry, whether you are private or you are corporate. You are making a lot of money. And this is where it really does get my blood boiling because there's, yeah, money's great, but not when it comes to the detriment of the health and well-being of the people who are pouring their hearts and souls into this business. And so as a hospital leader, you have to look at your team. The shift has to be from trying to make big profits. It has to be moved away from look at how much extra revenue we're making to Okay, what is my what do my people need and how can I take care of them? We have to now start to figure out how can we shift that mindset and give back to our people because what we're finding is that we can't continue to make the profits we're making if our teams are leaving. We can't continue to even do best medicine at this point because the hospital team we have is a lot of them are very brand new because we got rid of all of, unfortunately, our senior staff during the pandemic. They burned themselves out. And I've had countless conversations with hospitals going, oh, well, in the past year, we hired on 50% brand new employees and I don't have time to train them. The reality is, is your hospital medicine is going down the tubes because unfortunately, caring for the people has gone down for the tubes. 
I hate using the term a disruptor. I hate that term. I just think it's kitschy and, you know, cool. But how many people are true disruptors? How many people actually shake things up? A lot of times they go, oh, we're shaking things up. But it's actually just a very normal concept that should have been applied a long time ago. In this case, I want veterinary medicines to start disrupting old archaic things. You know, look at emergency medicine. I'm a VTS in emergency med- critical care. And the vast majority of emergency hospitals out there run on three 12-hour shifts or four 10-hour shifts. Sometimes it's three 13-hour shifts. Whatever it is, it's three or four shifts. Sometimes they're back to back. Sometimes there might be a day in between. And the hospital has been having this schedule the same way all the time. And there's been no change in it. This is where I do need you to disrupt the ancient system known as that same stupid schedule that you've had for over a decade or two decades. The reality is, is that what used to happen or what used to work in this profession no longer works anymore. People are not willing to put up with crappy schedules. They're not willing to burn themselves out. They're not willing to work so hard that they actually lose their soul. And so when we as employers or leaders start to look at these things, like I'm hemorrhaging staff and my staff is mentally not in a good place, we have to start thinking outside of the box. One thing that I've talked about in previous podcasts is how too many hospital schedules are not conducive to moms. They just aren't. Moms are the people who still have babies. That has not changed. And guess what our primary primary workforce is? It's mostly women. So women are going to have babies. And we have to make sure that they have schedules to come back to. Just simply saying, well, I did save your place here at the hospital. As you know, it's three 12-hour shifts. And that brand new mom saying, I don't think I can work those three 12-hour shifts because I have a brand new baby at home. To which the hospital actually will say, well, then I'm sorry. I guess we have to find a replacement for you. What are you doing? But this is happens all the time. There's no thinking outside the box. There's no, we have to solve this staffing crisis. And how do we get this great employee back in because she just had a baby? How do we work around her schedule? We should be asking our teams right now. We should literally be asking our teams, what schedule works best for you for your mental health? Because that's what it's going to take in order to save this profession. How can we rework these personal schedules? But it's not just about personal schedules. It's also about appointment schedules. Can we just go ahead and start building in break time? And I'm tired of hearing the hospitals that say, well, Amy, we usually have an hour of break time, but it's now what we call catch-up time. I'm sorry, then you need to build in two or three hours. That's the way it's going to need to be. You need to put a sign and a notice and educate your clients on the fact that you also are short-staffed. Remember the restaurant? Remember Dunkin' Donuts? I don't get to get a donut after 5 p.m. And guess what? I still lived. My thighs and my butt probably thanked me a little bit, but honestly, my stomach still craves the jelly donut with the sugar on top. It's so good, but I'll live. I will. It's like the least of my problems in the middle of this pandemic is getting a jelly donut at seven o'clock. It would be nice though. It would be nice. Just like for clients, it would certainly be nice to get in in the next month for their vaccines. 
but too bad. It's not going to happen. We're going to have to put them at month two or even month three. And guess what? It's going to be okay. It will be okay. We have to teach our clients about compassion and empathy because let's face it, they're not as compassionate and empathetic as we are. We, the compassionate and empathetic individuals, we went into veterinary medicine. So we're all here and everyone else is out there. And so we need to educate them how we are burned out. And if that means handing your clients a flyer to educate them on the mental health of your team and how they're working really hard, then do that. If that means putting a sign up on your door and say, we are short staffed, be kind to our staff, then do that. If you are, if you need to fire more clients because they are upsetting your team, go ahead. You're making enough money right now that losing one or two clients is the least of our concerns. If we can focus back on to our people resource, if we can get that right, then we can start building in more appointments. Then we can start taking on more responsibility. But our equipment is broken, people. It's broken. I want you to picture the x-ray machine just went down. The dental profi unit is broken. The surgery light is not functioning. You cannot, you don't have any oxygen. You have no oxygen in your hospital. You can't do surgery. We can't continue to go at this pace and just squeeze everybody in because we're empathetic and we're compassionate. We are losing ourselves in this profession. So yes, I do want you to disrupt. I want you to think about saying no to clients. I want you to start utilizing techniques or tools or even, uh, you know, technology in a way that potentially you haven't. Do you need to actually give clients blood work on the spot? Do they need to wait for their blood work? No, they probably don't. Why can't we actually get clients in very quickly at the end of the day for pre-screening blood work and then just have them drop off quickly for surgery the next day? Is that something that would help? And that pre-screen blood work, they just go home. We don't talk to them about it. We don't need to do that. Just email them the results if you're happy to do so. Otherwise, no news is good news. It's not like our clients, our pet owners, don't understand the concept of waiting for medical results or waiting for a diagnosis. I'll give you a great example. I had a, a a very bad stress fracture many years ago. I was an avid runner, still am an avid runner, and I stress, stress fractured my leg. My leg was actually physically swollen. I went into my doctor who had to order some x-rays for me. So first I went ahead and got x-rays and they couldn't really tell on x-ray what was going on. So then they ordered a actual bone scan uh, with contrast dye. So here I am with the radiologist um, who's going ahead and performing this bone scan dye thing. And I can kind of see it coming up on the, the actual image. And I can clearly see dye is leaking out of my bone. And so that, uh, without a lot of medical knowledge, you know, that's probably going to clue you in. There's some type of fracture there. So I went, huh, look at that. I left my this actual appointment knowing full well that I had fractured my leg to some capacity. There was a break, dye was leaking outside of the bone. I clearly could see evidence of that. A week went by, an entire week went by. Here I am in pain, limping around my house, waiting for my doctor to call. I called twice and they just kept getting snippy with me. We will call you once we have the results. And you want to know what? They eventually called me to tell me that I needed to go to see an orthopedic surgeon because I was going to need to be in a cast for a couple months. 
So the whole diagnosis took about three weeks. Now, that's just shitty care. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't want to see that level of care given to our veterinary patients. But here's what happens. The dog tears its cruciate. It comes in on the same day it tears its cruciate. It gets radiographs right then and there. It gets a diagnosis on that same day. It's booked for surgery and or has surgery that day or the very next day. I certainly have dedicated my life to animals where I want to make sure they're comfortable, but we don't have the people resource. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why can't we book an appointment out one or two or three days? Are we really afraid of losing that particular customer or client? We need to reshape the mindset of our customers to have them recognize that it can't be here now. I'm not saying three weeks. I'm not saying that. But what happens if it's a day or two? Why can't we just put that animal on medication, right? It's It'll be okay. It really will be. You know, people who have torn their cruciates, they don't get surgery same day or even next day or even a diagnosis same day. They don't. So it will be okay. And I do want better care than human medicine gives a lot of times out to people. I, I Let me be very clear about that. So I want you to think about breaking down the norm of veterinary medicine, but I also want you to think about honoring your team. What about a spa day for everyone? Wouldn't that be nice? I'm so tired of the pizza. I just put a fat cat meme about the pizza and how after a year of eating pizza, all we have done is gained weight and we don't feel any more appreciated. Um, what about you know a spa day for everybody? What about a fun team outing? Is it going to kill us if we just close the hospital for two days? It's not. What about starting the day with something fun? Just open an hour later and just have some fun in the morning. I talked about how do we educate a very green team when we are so short staffed? Can we actually just hire an outside trainer, close the hospital for X amount of hours and get some training done? Here's some concept. We have in-person learning happening. Would it be the worst thing in the whole world if we all just took the week off and went to a conference? Would that be horrible? The hospital pays for everybody to go. What happens if it costs $20,000? Trust me, you have $20,000 right now. Maybe it costs $25,000. I don't know how big your hospital is. How, what, what would be the benefit if it costs $50,000 or $100,000 to that hospital? Can we do that? Wouldn't that really make the team super happy and give back to them when they have done nothing but give of themselves over the last year or two. So this is what I'm talking about in this blog. And this is where I wanted to go into a little bit more detail and really showcase the passion that I have behind this, because this is the title of this blog. This is the new normal. Stop making excuses. Right now, it's the time to give back to the teams. Veterinary hospitals, again, we've never been so busy. So therefore, your profits are high. I don't have a one size fit all solution, but what I have is a lot of suggestions. And it is really up to you as the individual to take this challenge on. How can I be better to myself? How can I still be happy in this profession? What do I need to do? What boundaries and what's important to me that I need to set for myself in order to thrive in this profession? That's the first step. The second step is ownership back on the hospital leadership. From a company standpoint, from an individual hospital owner, Stop making excuses that you're so busy, you don't have time to train the staff. You're so busy, you don't have time to take care of the team. You're so busy, they don't have time to take breaks. I need you to stop those excuses because the one thing I'm very confident about is this is the normal. 
It's not going anywhere. This is veterinary medicine gone from 2020 into 2021, going into 2022. And guess what? It's going to change again. It really will. At some point, this might drop off like a rock. Maybe we are going into recession. Maybe we're going to get busier. Maybe this is going to stay the course. But right now is the here and now. And we need to figure out how can we practice the best veterinary medicine possible with the resources we have. Because right now we don't have the oxygen, so we shouldn't be doing the surgery. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, this blog took me by surprise at how much it resonated with people. And I felt very passionate to skip over the podcast that I was going to deliver and do this impromptu podcast for you because I think it does need more conversations. I hope that this is the thing that is a catalyst for starting those conversations within yourself internally, but also in your own hospitals. Thank you for all that you do. All of you are absolute rock stars. I cannot say enough amazing kind words about this profession and how in the midst of all of of everything that has gone in in the past years oh my gosh is that scary to say years we are still saving animal lives so please remember all the amazing work that you're doing and how awesome you are as a person thank you again so much i hope you enjoyed this please check out all my other blogs vlogs and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com and as always keep on being a unicorn 